Good morning, Moneyliners community. On this Tuesday, December 13th, this is Chris Nickel, founder and CEO of Moneyliners.com, where your monthly subscription or annual subscription is free if we don't at least pick 54% or higher. This past week, Moneyliners.com was 22 and 13 with a 63% winning percentage, going 7 and 3 in NBA action, 12 and 5 in college basketball and 3-5 and five in the NFL. If you didn't notice, last night, Monday night, we were also 3-0 and in college basketball to kick off the new week, bringing our last 20 picks at the college level 15-5 and five at a 75% win percentage. Let's move over to the NFL rankings as they have been updated at Moneyliners. And I want to first apologize to the Philadelphia Eagles fans as I was cracking on your team Last week saying they do not belong even in the top five of our rankings. I stand corrected. Finally, I watched you dismantle the New York Giants as a complete football team. Miles Sanders continues to run up and down the field along with Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts continues to make his claim as the NFL MVP. Brian Dayball did not jump for joy yesterday at the end of that game because he had his tail spanked from the beginning to the end. The Philadelphia Eagles are now our number three NFC ranked team. At number two, with a fairly disappointing game against the lowly Houston Texans, the Dallas Cowboys, they are still extremely talented on offense at the skill player position. But again, what makes them number two over Philadelphia is the dominant defense led by Micah Parsons, as they continue to shut down offenses week after week after week. The two-headed attack of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard was on full display down in Houston. And Michael Gallup, now back at full speed and full health, makes a great opposite receiver to CeeDee Lamb. Dallas at number two. Number one, my second apology in the same podcast goes to the Brock Purdy family and his parents who watched their son have the best rookie debut at quarterback in the history of the NFL. Brock Purdy makes the 49ers dangerous. Now more dangerous than with Jimmy G. I do not think the Brock Purdy game Sunday is a one-hit wonder. I think Brock Purdy could become the next Tom Brady story. Now I know it's early. It's only one game. He had one game. It could be a complete fluke. But I watched a kid with grit and determination, accurate ball throwing under pressure, and a will to win. Trey Lance will be traded next season for probably a couple of late round draft picks. His days in San Francisco are done. Brock Purdy is the future of the 49ers. Let me also say that number 23 in the backfield had his best game in a 49ers uniform. Christian McCaffrey showed the fans in the Bay Area why he was traded for by the 49ers from the Carolina Panthers. The 49ers are the best team in football, defense, and now potentially offense, even with the loss of Debo Samuel. What we're going to see now is Jennings move up to that number two receiver spot, Ayuk move over to number one, Ballmore over to Kittle, and the 49ers are going to roll on offense. I don't know how they get beat after watching Brock Purdy.
As we move over to the AFC, the rankings are unchanged. The Bills gritted out a performance against the New York Jets in a windy, cold game in Buffalo. Josh Allen, with a running touchdown, secured the victory, although the Jets covered, which was one of our few wins on Sunday. Number two, Patrick Mahomes adding to his highlight reel with some cockamamie sideways action throw, no-look toss, past a couple of defenders to Jarek McKinnon, who stumbled down the road for a touchdown. Chiefs come in at number two. But they better get that defense figured out. Because you allowed the worst offense in the NFL to score 28 points against you? Russell Wilson? The Denver Broncos kept that game close. If you would have been playing the Bills or Bengals yesterday for the AFC Championship, you would have lost. Number one, the Cincinnati Bengals. On Sunday, I watched Burrow do it again with water boys. That's right. T. Higgins out for the game. Taj Boyd out for the game. He just said, next man up. The flea flicker perfectly executed to the lucky leprechaun streaking down the center of the field. Happy as a lark, cheering, smiling, golden hair, flowing, big red beard, touchdown. That was an incredible, perfectly executed flea flicker, and those don't normally go well at this level. But what's most impressive for me in the Cincinnati Bengals is their defense. It has been dominating. Now it has shut down Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry in two of the last three weeks and beat Patrick Mahomes. That's what makes the Cincinnati Bengals dangerous and the number one ranked team in the AFC heading back potentially to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati Bengals, when you can take out T. Higgins and Taj Boyd and plug in Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor and win as if you did not skip a beat against a very stout Cleveland Browns defense, that is saying something. Circle the game for January 8th. Typically, the last game of the season means nothing. Players are sitting. Seeds have already been determined. But for the first time in a long time, the Bengals could have a lot on the line, including and most likely the division against the last game in the last game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if we'll get to that because I don't think the Ravens can win football games long term without Lamar Jackson. But that January 8th game could loom large. Moving on to the discussion earlier about Brock Purdy. I want to go to the other side of the football field and talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and number 12, the GOAT, Tom Brady. You know, I've I've thought most of this season that Tom Brady was making progress and making a comeback and starting to get his life straightened out. And I even said on the last podcast that when he drove down for those late last two late touchdowns against the Saints and pulled that game out, that maybe he's back. Well, he proved me absolutely wrong against the 49ers. Not only is Tom Brady not back, Tom Brady is done. Capital D-O-N-E, done. At some point, Tom Brady has to watch the film and say, I am hurting our football team. The number 10 ranked defense can only hold up for so long. Tom Brady misthrows high, low, left, right, pick, pick, on his rear end. 
I don't believe I've seen Tom Brady complain as much ever before to referees. He hit my head. He choked me. He grabbed my receiver. And then yap at his receiver, Mike Evans, for not being in the right place or not catching the ball. You're not throwing him the ball. You are the issue. You have Julio Jones, Godwin, Evans. Are you kidding me? You have Cade Otten, an up-and-coming rookie at tight end. Fournette and White in the backfield, a number 10 defense, and that's the product you're putting on the field as the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. You are too old to play in the league anymore. And what's very sad is you didn't recognize that last year and it now cost you your family. It's shameful that prideful, arrogant players cannot look in the mirror and say, it's time. I've done everything I can do. I'm a seven-time Super Bowl champion. I have nothing left to prove. I even proved that I could win one without Bill Belichick. I need to retire and be at home with my kids and my wife. Not you, Tom. You had to come back for your worst season of your career. And now you're both losing football games after losing your wife. You need to get number 12 up in Green Bay and head to the golf course and make way for the next generation. It was as bad as it gets. Let's move over to the Heisman Trophy presentation that took place Saturday night in New York City. As predicted on Moneyliners.com, Stetson Bennett, number four, C.J. Stroud, three, Max Duggan, number two, and Caleb Williams, number one. The voters got it right. Caleb Williams is the best football player in college, and he won the Heisman. I loved his little poke at the other three players saying, I may have this trophy, but you three are in the college football playoffs. That got a chuckle from the crowd. One of the things I noticed in Caleb's speech is his parents. His parents have been with him from the very beginning. He talked about his story as a kid when he had, didn't get to play because they said he was too small. And he went home and said, Dad, I want this to change. And his parents committed. They saw talent in their child and they said, we're going to make you a great football player. I have a couple of friends, sets of friends that have an incredible soccer player that I believe will be on the next World Cup, USA team. It's 24-7, 365. You are ultimately trying to get your child a college scholarship and potentially a pro career. I have another set of friends that have a son that's 16 years old. He's 6 foot 1, 180 pounds, a left-handed pitcher at 87 miles per hour. He is being considered at major universities and being drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies who have come to several of his games. They live, eat, sleep, and breathe baseball for their child. And Caleb Williams' parents Saturday night got to celebrate in their commitment to his career in New York City as he hoisted the Heisman Trophy. It's a great story. It's a lot of work. Let's head over to the NBA very quickly and just talk about our projected NBA title matchup between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. 
Saturday night, the Celtics came to town in the Bay Area, and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson said, not so fast. You might be the best team in the NBA by your record, but we are the defending champions, and we still own you. They combined for 66 points on 26 of 47 shooting, while Tatum and Brown combined for 51 points on 19 of 44. The Celtics then went over to play the Clippers last night and lost again. So back-to-back losses by the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. They're still the king of the NBA. Both teams are identical. Deep benches, great role players, understand who they are. Those two will end up in the NBA championship. I just don't see these one-hit wonders in Milwaukee or Dallas, the dysfunctional team in L.A. being able to take on the Warriors or the Celtics. Let's head over to Arizona in the desert and talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals who last night lost at home again. The 1-7 home record for the Arizona Cardinals is the worst in the NFL. If you remember, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury came in in 2019. They drafted Kyler Murray first overall because Cliff Kingsbury had Josh Rosen, Fitz... Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Johnson at running back. That's the team that went 5-10-1 prior to Cliff's arrival. They bring in Kyler Murray. They trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They draft Hollywood, or they get Hollywood Brown from Baltimore. So they made two significant trades for receivers and then signed James Conner in free agency. They brought over Zach Ertz. You can't get any more loaded on offense than Arizona has done for Cliff Kingsbury. After last season's 11 and 6 record, losing in the first round of the playoffs, they're 4 and 9. They are a dysfunctional mess. Bickering, fighting, quarreling on the sidelines, playing awful defense, and now Kyler Murray's ACL is shot. Cliff Kingsbury's tenure in Arizona is done at the end of the season. Market now. Finished. Hey Cliff, Follow Nick Saban back to the college ranks. That's where you belong. Follow Chip Kelly back to the college ranks. That's where you belong. There's going to be some openings. You're a great football coach, but the college level is where you will be successful. You know, I've never been a big fan of Adam Silver, NBA commissioner. Sorry, I think David Stern was better. I miss David Stern. But one of the things that Adam Silver did just recently is redesign the annual awards, naming them after historic legends in the game. And I absolutely love what he has done with that. I think it's the best thing he's done since he's been in the NBA as commissioner. I want to talk about the Michael Jordan MVP award. The incredible detail of that award honoring number 23. Six-time NBA champion, two three-peats. That's pretty amazing. Who does that remind you of? Tom Brady. I've always said in hockey, basketball, and football, there is no debate on the greatest of all time. It's Michael Jordan, period. It's Wayne Gretzky, period. It's Tom Brady, period. The only place that leaves it open for debate is baseball. 
Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. The list goes on. I mean, you can talk about baseball because there's so many unique positions in baseball. Is the pitcher more valuable? Is the hitter more valuable? Is it harder to play at a high level in the infield or the outfield? There's a list of maybe 10 in Major League Baseball players historically that could be argued as the greatest of all time. I think at the very top of that list, most people would say it's Babe Ruth, and it may be. But there are clear cuts to me in NBA, NFL, and hockey. And now the NBA Annual MVP Award is named after the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Congratulations, Adam. You got something right as NBA commissioner. We're going to switch the corner of the intersection now and move over to politics and social justice and social issues where sports intersects our daily lives as a community and culture. Tragic news out of Mississippi this morning. As expected, Mike Leach has passed at age 61. The head coach of the Mississippi State football team is no longer with us. He suffered a heart attack this weekend. He was hospitalized at the University of Mississippi in Jackson, and he is this morning gone on to be with his Heavenly Father. Mike Leach was an eccentric head coach. He always marched to the beat of his own drum. I loved him at Washington State. I obviously watched him more at Washington State than I have at Mississippi State. He was one of those few coaches that didn't care what the media thought of him. He didn't care what the critics thought. He did things his way. He was always fun and and comical at times on the sidelines and really was a pioneer for the spread offense. Five receivers flinging it all over the field up with the Cougs. Mike Leach was one of the good ones. I'm very happy that his family got to be with him in his last moments. I'm sure his team is very saddened this morning to learn of their coach's passing. And I really hope that the Mississippi State Bulldogs, as they move forward, really honor Coach Mike Leach as one of the great ones. RIP, pal. There's a sideline upstairs for you to walk up and down. I want to say welcome home to BG. A little bit happier news. A few days ago, Brittany Griner was, was exchanged in a prison swap with Victor Bout, the convicted arms dealer from Russia that we have had in our possession for years. He's a real bad guy. Now, some have said, why couldn't we get Paul Whelan? Sometimes you have to take what you can get. And getting Brittany Griner home, an ambassador for the WNBA, to her wife and her family back on U.S. soil, we had to pay a high price. But in the end, we just need to go back and get Victor Bout and capture him again. Maybe get a couple more of his friends. And then it'll take maybe two or three for one to get Paul back home. We cannot give up on Paul. But we cannot be focused on Paul still being there. We have to be focused on Brittany being home. Because that's what we should be celebrating today. 
I want to talk about an incident that happened in Austin yesterday. You know, I've always been a big fan of Chris Beard. I loved Chris Beard at Texas Tech. He took a team out in the middle of a dust bowl and made them competitive on the NCAA stage deep into March Madness. He had a Final Four trip just a couple of years ago. Chris Beard coached above his, I guess you can say his team's talent is what Chris Beard did. You know, I think that uh, his move to Austin was warranted. He had proven at Texas Tech that he deserved that opportunity to go back to his alma mater and be a Longhorn. But unfortunately, yesterday, Chris Beard made a serious mistake. He was arrested for domestic violence after battering his fiance in their home. Now, I know that we need to let the justice system play out and we need to look at all the facts and the details. But Chris has all but admitted that he struck and hit and did things to his fiance that she is accusing him of. That is very likely because there are marks on her body from his hands. He claims, and his attorney claims, that she was the aggressor. She admitted that she broke his glasses. Now, we don't know how she broke them. Maybe she grabbed them off of his face, meaning maybe she didn't hit him and break him. Maybe she just was so upset she grabbed him and she smashed him in her hands. Who knows? But here's what I do know. This is a disgrace. I was taught at a very young age that no matter what a woman does, you do not ever lay your hands on a woman. Now, I know that there are many men out there that maybe have been slapped by their wife or shoved by their wife or whatever it may be, probably because you did something really stupid or were disrespectful and you probably deserved it. Nine times out of ten, a man probably deserves it from his girlfriend or wife. But here's the difference between what should happen as a man and what Chris Beard did. Men are naturally stronger, physically more robust, and can be more damaging in a physical altercation than a woman. Now that's not meant to be sexist. I know there are very, very, very many women that could kick my tail. But in general, overall, a man is stronger, bigger, and more damaging in an altercation than a woman. That is why young boys and teenagers growing into adulthood must be taught that under no circumstances can you put your hands on a woman. Period. If you can't take a face slap by a woman or a shove, you are not a man. If you have to react to a woman being aggressive towards you in a way that chokes the breath out of her, or you bite her, or you've left bruises on her legs, shame on you. Not only do you deserve to no longer be the head coach 
of the Texas Longhorns, you deserve to be in prison for a long time. For your attorney to get on the horn and say, these charges need to be immediately dropped because she was the aggressor, shame on him. You claim to have an audio recording of this altercation, play it. You wouldn't play it for the police because you know, based on what happened and you may be hearing the audio recording, that you would be charged guilty based upon your own recording. There's no other explanation as to why you wouldn't play it when you claimed you had it. What a fall from grace for Chris Beard. If the University of Texas can determine that any of this is truthful, if he hit her or shoved her or choked her just a little bit, he should be immediately terminated. There isn't much that'll get me more fired up than domestic violence. A man striking or hurting a woman. There simply is no place for it, not just in sports, but in any corner of our society. I hope that justice is served for his fiance and that Chris is punished if the evidence plays out the way that it appears it will. I'm saddened for the team at the University of Texas, these young men who were recruited by Chris Beard, whose parents trusted him to be a mentor and guide as they mature into young men and into their personal relationships and lives. Their coaches let them down. I hope that they learn a valuable lesson. Sometimes the best lessons are taught in what not to do by those that lead you. I want to say to the listeners of the Moneyline community on our podcast, Chris Beard is not a man and deserves to be behind bars as soon as possible. This is Chris Nickel signing out on Tuesday, December 13th. Have a great day.